Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Deserve Better podcast, where we cover the world of independent comics. I am one of your hosts and Legend of Zelda Dungeon Master, Brian, and as always, I am joined by the other half of the Comics Deserve Better Triforce, Darcy. And master of absolutely nothing, unfortunately. (laughs) Well, it's the 35th anniversary of Zelda, and since Nintendo is not doing anything about it, I just wanted to wish them a happy birthday here Uh, they are really bad at acknowledging anniversary anything and Mm -hmm. i wish they would get on that shit and they totally need to do tales of destiny properly and put that shit on the switch if anyone's listening to me which they're not but uh if that ever happens please do that please oh definitely any any more ports of the tales series is fine by me well um as always we'll move on uh to the first part of our episode which is the news and uh got just a couple things here uh kind of two and a half things here (laughs) the uh the comic um department of truth by james tiny tinian the fourth and martin simmons has been picked up by production company sister uh tinian will be co-writing the script and they are currently actively searching for the other writer. Uh, the The series is relatively new, and I've read the first three issues, liked it, but decided to trade weight on it because it's kind of dense. Um, but um, I am definitely um, going to be reading the rest of the series as soon as I can, um, as once I once the trades come out. Um, I am also picking up two other Tinian books. So that's kind of helped me decide to to kind of skip this one until trade weight, but. Um, the synopsis, for those who don't know, is that uh, from the Hollywood Reporter, uh, is that the uh, the tr- truth deals with the idea of how conspiracy theories that take hold can shape the fabric of reality. The story focuses on a former FBI agent who joins a mysterious government organization that deals with conspiracies ranging from fake moon landings or the idea that the Earth is flat to politicize beliefs involving paid crisis actors and face school shootings, which is very timely. <laughs> it's really early to get on because as you're right, it's not that old. It seems really early to get in the production schedule for something. Do they know which streaming service it's going to? No, nothing uh, about that yet. This is just the very early stages. So no, no word on where it's going. It is incredibly timely. People are stupid. They come up with crazy conspiracy theories for pretty much everything. It definitely has a place. I think it (laughs) definitely is something people are interested in. So, um, yeah, but it it is still a very new comic. So I I am shocked they're going for it so soon with maybe not a place for it to go. But I think it definitely find a home. Absolutely. I'm actually surprised that this got um a kind of got greenlighted for a show before um before something is killing the children because i know that has been a a hit for a while now that's true yeah you make a really good point yeah but you know i guess this is more timely than uh than a monster killing children in a town which hopefully is not timely at all (laughs) (laughs) you're right um well i have uh um, so other good news. Um, we a few episodes back, we talked about the uh, nominations for the Dwayne McDuffie Award for Diversity. Uh, the 
the winner has been announced. It's uh, the George Takei, they called us enemy. Uh, not a big surprise. Um, I was wondering why books from two years ago were were being nominated this year. And of course, it's because of COVID. Um, so they're about a year behind right now. Um, but congratulations to They Call This Enemy. It's a great book. Uh, also, some, some, some uh, related news. Uh, it's actually the 10-year anniversary of McDuffie's sudden death. And currently, his widow has started a GoFundMe page to establish the Dwayne McDuffie Foundation that, per the Multiversity article, will be a pro nonprofit organization that awards academic scholarships to diverse students, as well as to continue the awards created in his name, create and maintain an archival website, and donate items for display at the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, DC. All of that sounds fabulous. I congratulations to the winner, obviously, well-deserved. Um, obviously, as everything is sad that COVID's pushed everything back and hopefully they'll up so nobody loses out on an award that should have gotten an award. Um, and definitely, I think making the foundations a good play. I, th I think it's a good idea. And definitely. It kind of just helps spread the, you know, diverse voices even further. So it's great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, this is the half part of my news when I said two and a half. Um, just a quick note that I, I, I realized that, you know, not I didn't realize it's an indie comic, but I realized that we haven't talked about it yet. Um, and that is indie comic, but the animated series based on Invincible, the comic book, uh, will be coming out on Amazon Prime March 26. Uh, trailer was re released a couple weeks ago. Easy to find. It looks great. Um, and it's very true to the source material. The, the art looks pretty spot on to what was in the Invincible books. Um, we will probably have a little more talk about this once it's released, uh, but just wanted to say that, yeah, it's still coming out in case you haven't heard, and, and it looks really good. It does look really good, and I think it will probably be a really good adaption of the series. Um, if you've read the series and like the series, which most people who read the series did like the series, uh, I think this is definitely going to be for you. Uh, if you haven't read the series, I I would recommend reading the series. But if you haven't read the series and don't feel like taking that big old journey and want to skip it and watch the cartoon, I haven't seen it yet and can't say this, but it kind of looks like you'd probably just watch this. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me too. And I, I personally have only read like the first arc. And so I'm one of those people that haven't read it yet. So I, I've read further. I, I think I skipped a bit in the middle. I like missed out. I missed out on something. There was something that I did miss, but I did finish it technically. Even if I did miss something there, I'm pretty sure I missed something. Um, which if you said something and I would be like, oh yeah, I think I missed that. I definitely yeah. missed a volume somewhere. <laughs> um, but it, from everything I've seen, it, it looks like they're taking really good care with what they're doing. So if you look at it, which I do, it's not my favorite thing ever. Like I'm not going to cry if they mess it up like I would with some things. Yeah. But um, it, it definitely looks like they're doing a good job with it. Yeah, to, to paraphrase uh, the movie Zoolander, um, 
you know, superheroes are really hot right now. So, you know, it's a good thing they're doing. They this. are indeed. Well, um, now to comics that um, I know a little more about. Uh, we're going to go into our quick hits for the week. Uh, Darcy, uh, what is your quick hit? My quick hit is a sort of, okay, I'm breaking the rules again because <laughs> I love breaking the rules. You say it's always you, but it seems to actually always be me. Um, a person on Twitter posted this thing Um it, what do you post on Twitter? You post tweets. I shouldn't say thing. I should actually <laughs> use proper vocabulary. Uh, so it was at Hermanos, who's right now going by the uh, name Avid Brothers, posted a uh, article that was written by Wendy Darlings, what she's going by now for Shelf Dust, mm-hmm. uh, which was about a comic writer, Vernon Grant, who's uh, the article uh, is part of the series that they're doing about like Black comic creators uh through the decades and they're in the 70s right now and vernon grant was a a comic creator in the 1970s an american comic creator but he's like really important as a comics creator an indie comics creator because he uh was kind of vital for being one of the first if not the first uh people who brought over like manga aesthetics to american comics and depending on who you talk to he's either not credited at all or very lightly credited some people credit him like if they know who he is i had no clue like for me when i think about it like i like i kind of know manga aesthetics came over fairly early for some people and in some ways but i didn't see it a lot in american comics until like more recently uh, for it to be quite common and it was very rarely and with only some people but if you look at Vernon Grant's stuff like it's very very obvious where he was getting his influence Uh, there's not a lot of his stuff available Um, there's kind of one um, one comic that he everybody references and was very uh famous and connected to him called the love rangers which was this group of uh like this this group of uh rangers i think it you know you know rangers this group of of kind of space soldiers uh who go around and try to solve problems with love with like love gas um and this is kind of really interesting to me personally because they um he says one of his major influences manga wise was um lone wolf and cub and if you've read lone wolf and cub like completely opposite lone wolf and cub is like this assassin guy who like takes his kid around and uses him as a distraction to like kill people <laughs> so it's like completely and utterly different uh but uh vernon grant was like uh he was a soldier in Vietnam and I you know I don't know him personally I've not read anything from him because there's nowhere to actually read the Love Rangers now like I tried to find it somewhere the shelf dust article says you can't find it I found of auctions that are finished like you can't get access to it and it would be really wonderful if somebody had one somewhere and like reprinted it or like put it online like you can't find it but i mean his experiences in vietnam might have influenced his storytelling in some way it seems very possible apparently he was a fan of star trek which 
again, seems like it would influence us in some way. Uh, his aesthetics were very manga influenced, it's obvious, probably not Lone Wolf and Cub. They look a little Tezuka-ish. They're kind of almost chibi, small, very cute. Um, it, you can't get a hold of Love Rangers, but um, you can get Adventures of Point Man Palmer in Vietnam. It's available on Amazon. Um, I ordered it. It's not here yet. It's coming in March, but I'm very excited. It's written by his wife, uh, Betty. Um, and it's not just his comic work. It's like more than that. Uh, you know, she's she's written for it, but it includes his comic work. So I, I'm very excited the whole of it. Maybe if it's my quick, I should have already read it. But so it's kind of a quick hit and looking forward because it's a quick hit of the article about his life. But it's also kind of a looking forward to the book uh, from Betty. So um, I don't know. It's just this Vernon Grant was a kind of uh, classic comic creator, indie comic creator who was very important for the indie scene that like we never really we, me, maybe you have, I'd never really heard about and uh, I think was probably really important. Um, it was definitely somebody I think uh, reading about him felt familiar to me, like personally, like in our life stories, we had nothing in common. Obviously, he's a black man who went to Vietnam and served and came back home. We've got nothing in common there. But like our comic journeys, I felt very familiar there. Like he had all these connections to manga and what he liked in terms of pop culture. Like there was something very familiar there. And when I was reading these snippets from his comics, like that felt very familiar to me. When I was reading these things, like he can, I connected with what he was writing on a like what he was writing I really enjoyed so it was like I really wish we had access to his comics because I think I'd really like them so I wish somebody who won these auctions because they had them these comic books are out there somewhere post them print them reprint them I want them I want to read this really bad so Anyway, I will post the links to the articles that uh, Avid Brothers put up and Wendy Darling wrote and Shelf Dust posted, and as well as the uh, Vernon Grant Studio website that like hosts everything about him because I think he's interesting and I think more people should probably know about him. Well, you had me at love guess um, for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, I, I thought I thought, you know, it's an interesting weapon. <laughs> no, totally. That's pretty cool. Um, also, yeah, um it I'm looking at the art. I do not see Lone Wolf and Cub at all, but still, you know, influences are different for everybody and you know, and how they affect someone is different. So but it it looks great and um, and I, yeah, it's kind of a shame that that we don't know m more about this person. And hopefully, like you said, whoever it is, I have a feeling it's Nicolas Cage because he seems to always win those auctions. <laughs> you know, but you know, hopefully, someone comes. That's up. a good point. Yes, it's probably Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, so someone comes forward hopefully soon, and we can get more of this. Um, I do. Oh, let me know how that 
that series is out of the book that you've ordered because um an anthology slash like biography sounds kind of cool i'm very interested i definitely will yeah i'll come back with that once i get it you know it's from like an individual seller so it's going to take a little bit longer uh, but it's supposed to show up sometime in march like in two weeks i think um, but yeah, I definitely will. And for those of you who've never heard of Lone Wolf and Cub, who have no idea what I'm talking about style-wise, Lone Wolf and Cub available to read on Graphite. Yes. And and also, uh, if you want kind of an instant reference, it's basically think of The Mandalorian and uh, and, and imagine it as designed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. basically the mandalorian yes yep and then just designed by frank miller instead of uh you know <laughs> so you know frank uh, frank miller with like sin city and stuff so imagine sin city but mandalorian essentially is is uh but in ancient japan is low wolf and cub there we go there's a thing to do yep exactly okay well my quick hit um is well before i get to my quick hit um, I'm looking forward from last week, uh, which was Shadow Doctor. Um, it, I read it, and I was expecting great things. It actually exceeded my expectations. Really liked it. It's um, 1920s and 30s Chicago. Um, it's a, an untold story that you don't hear or read about during a very prolific era of U.S. history. Uh, it's it's a pretty amazing amazing first issue i i definitely recommend to, to anyone who has any kind of inkling to a good crime story slash good you know story about you know people who come up with there's issues in their lives not because of anything they did but because of the color of their skin it's just um it's it's a pretty amazing story so far so i definitely recommend that and but my actual quick hit i do love it when a book you think is going to be good is better than oh yeah totally no it, that, that is a great feeling so for my quick hit my actual quick hit <laughs> um i chose to uh once again talk about we live uh i think i i mentioned as looking forward for the first issue uh way back when it first came out this time i'm talking about the last issue of the story arc which was issue five uh, this is the story of the end of humanity and focuses on Hototo, who is a young boy that is one of the of many children who have been chosen to be taken off of Earth by an alien society uh, just before the world ends. Uh, the whole series has been this post-apocalyptic survival tale um, of like Hototo and his older sister's journey through the wastelands to get to the ship that will take him to space. Um, but um, when when they get there, um, everything kind of is different than expected. Even as a reader who was kind of expecting something different, uh, it actually uh, goes from a post-apocalyptic story and changes genre one hundred percent almost. Um, and and it turns out surprisingly, this is like a shadow pre like uh, prologue to the actual series that these the um the creators the inaki brothers wanted to tell and the story going forward is a totally different genre of a story um this was just a preamble that isn't set as a post-apocalyptic tale i am 
I am skirting. I'm being vague on purpose because, um, you know, um, I don't want to spoil it too much. Me saying that there is kind of a surprise at the end um, is spoiling it a little bit, but I, I'm doing that to hopefully entice you to check it out because um, pretty big 180 at the end of like what kind of story this is. So it's pretty cool. Okay, so what you're saying is, I think I misunderstood or I didn't misunderstand and I'm just confused. Uh, so is it not a post-apocalypse now or is it going Let's, back to before it was a post-apocalypse? It's still the same time. Um, it actually does like a three-year jump at the very end, um, but it seems like it's still it's still kind of a wasteland earth. But let's say like... Mm let's say like the first arc was like 80% post-apocalypse and like 20% like survival. This is now 20% post-apocalypse and 80% something else. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm it with just, you now. Yeah. So like the setting is still there. It's not like a, a waste of like reading. The first arc wasn't like a waste to read. It's definitely crucial to read, but it's now, it's no longer the it, it, it doesn't it no longer feels like a like a walking dead type story anymore i guess is kind of the best way to put it got, got you yeah so i got it, you yeah i'm with you now okay perfect and i was kind of it's one of those things where i don't want to be vague but at the same time like i i want to because I, I want yeah. to people to experience the right you don't want to spoil people yeah exactly so but you know it was good um definitely recommend check it out also it has a soundtrack still um i didn't notice it in the other issues but this issue there's actually qr codes in the in the comic on the pages that has things of songs that you're supposed to like play on your phone <laughs> while you're reading it so okay that's a little fancy thing it, it, it is fancy. i didn't do it but i i, I like the effort uh, i think that's pretty cool okay so we're gonna go into our main course now which is Run Wild by K.I. Zakopoulos, Vincenzo Balzano, and Darren Bennett. It was uh, published by Boom Studios under their Archaea imprint. Am I saying that right, Archaea? Uh, Archaea? Archaea? It's got two A's in it. Archaea? It, it's like Archaea. I don't know. The I'm sure you're right, and I'm wrong. Yeah. You usually are right. It's like Archaic <laughs> without the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I'm despite, not sure. Despite that, it's yeah. a good imprint. Um, this, uh, this one was, of those times, yeah. you you were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'll just do about ten takes on different ways to say it, and then I'll just put it in there. Um, <laughs> the, so this was uh, Darcy's choice. So please, uh, if you don't mind, give us a quick synopsis and why you chose this series this week. Okay, a quick synopsis is that it is a, a like a childhood quest narrative, uh, like a dark childhood quest narrative. Um, so you have like two children who are trapped in this world that they don't understand uh, and are forced to go on a quest. Um, the quest is brought upon them by this giant uh, fox because they're now living and their mother 
Uh, they're now living in a world that's filled with like megafauna uh, that are all capable of speech. Uh, they're alone. They're the last two humans in this world. Um, they were abandoned by their mother. It's kind of something they're used to. We kind of figure out at the very beginning, they're used to their mom leaving them. Uh, but the sister Ava kind of, we figure out again at the beginning, she, that last time their mother left, it really felt like a final time and they've been staying at home, but, um, they've run out of food so they kind of have no choice but to leave and then this giant fox shows up and says my name is Beatrice I knew your mother it's time to go see Papa you have to help us save the world so they set out upon this quest to go find this uh, quote-unquote man named Papa uh, who's obviously not a man because there are no more <laughs> there are no more men he's got to be another giant fauna um and they are hunted by a giant blue stag um who we later find out is named omar um and they kind of like go through this world uh where they're the only humans and they meet other talking animals and slowly figure out how this world became this world uh, i picked it because i'm wildly a fan of childhood quest narratives. I love Alice in Wonderland. I love Wizard of Oz. Uh, Narnia is fantastic. Just anything like that. I'm, I, I really enjoy um, Bug Bites was something I talked about not too long ago. Bug Bites is kind of like that. Um, another reason I really like this comic is the art is fantastic. This creative team together did another comic a while back that was called The Cloud. And I love that. I kind of like this a little bit more, uh, but Balzano's art is just phenomenal. It kind of, I don't know how he does it, uh, but it has a very mixed media feel to it. Like it doesn't feel like he's just using one type of method to create his art. He's got pages that use like one color. He's got a lot of different variegated blues and then he'll rip through it with this like almost lightning bright red or this really sharp, hard, heavy white. And it's just like really compelling pages that are hard to look away from. Uh, they're very soft and Again, I, I think back to like last week when we talked about he all this kind of like fluid art. Uh, it, this has a lot of the same feel to it for me. That's just really a joy and a pleasure to look at and to kind of sink in visually. Um, this isn't a silent book, but a lot of it has silent feel to it. It doesn't have a ton of dialogue through a lot of the pages. Uh, so it can almost be read like early children's picture books um, where you can just kind of turn the pages because it has that sort of uh, narrative structure to it. You know how it's going. And so it has that, uh, that structure to it. Uh, the panels are laid out really well. The art is very well done where you can just kind of turn and, and watch how things are going in that way. Uh, so I, I picked it for the story is the kind of story I like to read. And the art is the kind of art I like to see. Yeah, uh, 
<laughs> it, it was it's definitely something unique i really i i did enjoy this as well so thank you very much um for bringing this to my attention i i wouldn't have noticed or realized it existed before um but uh my big my first big talking point was going to be this can be a silent comic like you even though the dialogue is good like you can actually read they, there could be an addition of this without any word bubbles and you would still get the same vibe and same feel and it would and like it would it would still be a great book to read and so um and um and so when you said that just now i'm like oh yeah <laughs> i'm glad that that uh we we agree on that because i know that you're a big fan of silent comics and i can probably see that might be one of the reasons why you like this book because it has that feel to it even though there is dialogue obviously to it how he was divided between his human side and his animal side and both of them kind of led him to go against papa and take care of the children in a way um, there's a lot of it that you wouldn't understand, but you don't need to necessarily understand them to definitely like side with the children. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need the dialogue, but the dialogue does complicate it and it does add depth, certainly. It, uh, it definitely a lot of depth and, and ambiguity. Um, and, but um, yeah, like um, one thing I really enjoyed about this is there's a question through the entire book um who's doing the right thing and and yeah. it, and it's not straightforward like what is the right thing which is like real mm -hmm. life you know like it's a bunch of grays in a beautifully colored book there's a bunch of grays <laughs> so um yeah well so, it's a very and it's a very muted book like it's it's like omar's painted as the bad guy the whole time he's in dark colors he's got these red eyes he's described as more animalistic and less human and yet you know we find out at the end you know like his thing at the beginning was to go and to protect the children mm -hmm. now, he hates humans the more animal he gets he hates the humans but his first goal was to protect Flynn and Ava I almost got a vibe that 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 he was in love with their mother like or like there, there's some kind of romance between them yeah or like perhaps their father for a second like I always am like because they never call him that but yeah I yeah. definitely had that feeling a little bit too and the fact that he's a stag and she's in, and then the mother becomes a doe as well like kind of gives that vibe and, as well and and Ava becomes, she, Ava looks just like him when she turns. Yes, that, that oh, I didn't realize that. But yeah, no, I can totally see that. That is true. Um, and, um, oh, I, the, it's heartbreaking at first when Ava's changing, but then I, I it's once again, it's ambiguity because it's like, almost like she, she accepts it. So it's like, as a reader, are we supposed to accept it? and that she has a higher purpose now to like help her brother out um it, it you know there, there's a lot of uh more uh, there's a lot of morality tales in this <laughs> you know it's a sad freaking book it is <laughs> which is one of those things like i i like i i like the idea of 
I I hate to say I find it funny, but I kind of find it funny. Like all these uh, these stories that like come from people telling their children like really horrible fairy tales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, like the idea that um, this book at the beginning is like dedicated to his, uh, his daughter. <laughs> yeah. No. This is such a sad book to dedicate to your daughter, right? This it's it's extremely bleak. This is a definitely a, a dark story. This is very much akin to the actual like you know uh, Brothers Grimm and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, then then what we then we're used to like the the Disneyfied version. Very of much it. so. It's it's definitely this is true to the like the Little Mermaid not being able to walk because of severe pain instead of like you know ariel yeah. she's so cute letting her tail looks good yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is yeah i and that i like you know i liked it and the thing is is that it, it's a it's a creative way to prepare children for the darkness in the world you know like you tell them in nice brightly colored tales that have a little bit of sinisterism to uh, to them and that kind of prepares them for later, like when they realize that the world's not just perfect. That's well, a good preparation for loneliness, I guess, yes. because it definitely has that in it. When at the end, because Ava, their mother can only save one of them, decides to save Flynn. And the further on they go in the journey, Ava begins to turn. You see it fairly early on. Ava gets these red dots in her forehead and over time they grow. Her her wrists and ankles begin to slim. And when B leaves them, the fox, um, and can no longer stay with them, Ava begins to carry Flynn and she becomes elongated and eventually starts, uh, when they make it to Papa, who is fabulous he's a giant octopus is mm-hmm. just a fantastic looking character who eats tons of people out of the sea people giant fauna out of the sea just a great design character um the papa needs human sacrifice to try to change things and ava is still just enough human to like sacrifice herself for flynn and so she does she gives up the rest of her humanity and changes and so she becomes like the last creature to change into an animal to like give her soul over to become an animal and flynn's left alone Mm -hmm. and he just says like now what am i gonna do it's depressing yeah it's, <laughs> it's such a sad book like like yeah congratulations you succeeded in surviving but at what cost and and for what reason because <laughs> now you're by yourself and there's no way you can re-spark humanity you know there's no you know you're just going to live by yourself and and die <laughs> which is sad exactly like their mom made these decisions which you have to you know you respect to a certain extent the decisions they made to try to do the right thing Mm -hmm. but at all these at all the at every single one of these junkets where they're trying to make these right decisions they're 
just kind of like definitely not helping um and it's this really tragic um story about how by like I don't know trying to create conflict on things kind of only makes things worse yeah because I mean Omar um the 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 animals that that decided to stay in in the zoo um and do nothing everyone has like the best intentions and yet you know everyone kind of becomes adversarial throughout this thing i mean like the the um the 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 non-combatant animals are the ones who captured their mom um flynn and ava's mom and like and we're also trying to stop them from continuing on in the journey at that time it was still ambiguous of whether or not it was an actual true journey and then Beatrice or a good journey uh Beatrice obviously you know she's she looks and appears to be a completely 100% like good guide to something that is positive and then it turns out not necessarily she's actually leading them kind of to their death and whether you know she she obviously doesn't realize that but you know i mean but that's the thing is that like all these intentions amount to to nothing to being just antagonistic almost to a certain extent like to a certain extent it's like making these decisions to save individual like small characters just kind of makes things worse which i find interesting Mm -hmm. like usually a hero saving like doing their best to save like that whole the greater good thing is bad right like someone who comes up to you and does the monotone for the greater good like that's a person who's looking for like yeah the evil path (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's the monotone cult thing right that you avoid Uh, like the heroes out to save the one individual like that's the person looking to save the one little child like that's in danger Uh, but the people looking to save the one little child make things worse I mean but we never see what would have happened if Papa had had succeeded in either case like if pop had succeeded in the first time what would have happened we don't know like maybe that would have been even worse worse we don't know yeah uh if pop had succeeded getting flynn the second time what would have happened then like um was it who was it was it dewey or was it uh who the was it was she a panda who was the panda pandora can't remember her name Uh, the big bear Pandora, pandora yes it was a pandora who said they would just experiment papa would just experiment on flynn if he got a hold of him somebody said that it, i think it was um, i think it was pandora. So like and and, and it's pandora the koala also yes i think yeah definitely i remember the koala saying it yeah. so it's like everybody who's trying to inflict their individual will like is creating this sort of chaos it doesn't matter if they're doing it for like good reasons or for bad reasons it's like like if you're trying to like if you're b trying to make decisions like you're coming for me for papa like she's causing problems for the people in the zoo she's causing problems for omar's 
group, she's causing problems for everybody. Like it, it, it causes problems for where Pandora is living. It's causing problems for everybody because she is trying to inflict her will on these things. But so did um, Flynn and Ava's mom by doing her whole thing. Mm -hmm. One, I would say from my perspective is a good decision. One's a bad decision. But that's just me, in my opinion. For Beatrice, that's the opposite. Exactly. And it's all perspective in a way. And, yeah. And what you know. And and I, and this is really yeah. the, the one true character that turns out to kind of just almost be inherently evil is Papa, where he's just that that his yeah. intentions are not good for anyone but papa you know like he wants to be a god and he wants to, to to rule over incorporeal souls you know so like yeah mm. that's a megalomaniacal cult leader for you you know so right it's but so, he looks cool <laughs> yeah oh no i i i love octopi like so much and so that was cool and right. the fact, and the and the eight arms like trying to grab everything and eating everything that's such a good like mm. metaphor to what he is as, as a human you know like just devouring and not caring about others but just himself absolutely yeah there were a lot of really good visuals i liked when they go inside the whale and there's an angler fish inside mm -hmm. yeah and <laughs> that was incredible like absolutely like an ongoing theme of um a few of our episodes um the last uh, couple months have been like art that can easily just become you know like like comic book art that can actually just be art and that you can put on your wall yeah and, and this is definitely one of those those things where you can basically take a panel and place it in a frame and it's beautiful it's just it works it's <laughs> It's pretty awesome. Very yeah. much. I guess characters, like human characters are much more simple. Mm -hmm. Like Ava and Flynn themselves were much more simple. Um, and I, I think very, very cute. Like those round cheeks with the little uh, round pink circles for their cheek cheeks, which I thought were very cute, uh, which very much enhances that like a innocent child wandering through this like horror field horrible monster filled wilderness that they're running through which i i really liked yeah you're yeah you're right i didn't think about that before but the circle the cheeks instantly made me feel like these were like helpless children you know like that just creates that innocence mm. yeah and like and so that that helps like kind of juxtapose that they're going to be the ones journeying through this impossible world and being successful so it's like it's pretty cool <laughs> to say it as simply as i can it's pretty cool <laughs> it's a really good i think visual shorthand um i think obviously anytime you put like a tiny little child and a gigantic freaking um fox or a gigantic stag with like antlers the size of a skyscraper obviously it's going to have a like power disparity um but the little cute cheeks definitely help just a little bit no totally and with with the fox with beatrice like you know kind of going back to having you know like getting the feeling that 
you know, like she's the the almighty altruistic guide that's doing the right thing. There's a lot of scenes with her and the children where she's she's surrounded them with her body. So it's like a very much like a mother wolf mm-hmm. or mother pat like like a like a mother animal like like protecting their children. So that that gives you the vibe that like oh yeah she she is one hundred percent out for these children and she's gonna do whatever she can to make sure that they're that they survive and they're they're they make it you know and I think that's what her attentions are but it turns out that you know she was incorrect about the destination. Very much so. Yeah, there's definitely, especially like uh, like when they face the long gone fairly early on, which are uh, the more animal side uh, creatures that have passed fully and gone feral. And those creatures are even more gigantic. Mm-hmm. And what was that? That was a long gone was a hyena. And it's only an outline. And that thing was like, even more it's like three times the size of omar and so we're talking like it was the size of a like a hospital or something that's yeah. gigantic they had, to, they had to dig a pit for that thing to fall in and its entire head was the size of like bigger than a three-story house or something i don't know that thing was huge the thing was terrifying and yeah, Beatrice kind of like stared that thing down a little bit. It was pretty impressive. She was there to protect them, mm-hmm. at least at the beginning. You really felt like she was there for him a bit. But some of those conversations with Dewey, the Firefly, it was like, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to distrust you because you're a pretty fox and you're in pretty pictures. But yeah, <laughs> why? Exactly. It's, you want you want to believe that she gives a fox about <laughs> the children but who knows <laughs> Sorry, <I> was dumb. <laughs> no it was good i liked it but yeah she so yeah um no i yeah it's it's definitely a visual marvel like i i really enjoyed i enjoyed i enjoyed the story itself i enjoyed the writing but i think that the the art itself is definitely worth the price of admission alone which but everything else definitely makes it great as well but it's just beautiful yeah i'm i'm definitely there no offense to the writing at all obviously i think you know you have to have the writing to do the art because this you have to have a story first exactly. but um the right the the arts kind of what i'm there for no offense <laughs> yeah. no and and like yeah it's and and yeah it, it it creates the the skeleton like the bones for the story the writing does and the art yes just, exactly the art just just takes it to a different level so it's great well certainly and i want to give props to darren bennett who uh like is part of the team and uh does letters and like it's a for all that some of that got a little like close together like there were some kind of dense places there in the middle and like I, I I think about some of these things I've read where they get a little philosophical and like oh we're gonna 
have this long philosophical beat and they get really hard to read and this like really never did and I, I want to give credit to like the way this is laid out textually is that a phrase textually I think yeah. it should be uh the the lettering is really really good in this book um it, it just looks really good it fits the style really well it's kind of cute but also kind of scary mm -hmm. um I I don't know I I don't think it, it doesn't look like like it's not just comic book comic book it's it's got a distinct uh style to it i'm not sure if it was designed specifically for this book um like if it like if it is its own font or anything but it i really really liked it i think it fit very well um and it was incredibly readable and i think i've read a couple of books recently that weren't very readable uh, and it's kind of getting on my nerves recently that a lot of books aren't readable. Uh, and I read on a, I read digitally on like a 13 inch laptop tablet mm -hmm. thing that I can zoom in on. Your book should be damn readable. Definitely. So I, I really enjoy that this is so easy to read. Yeah. Um, hit, but then it's, letters i know one of the first things that we said was like oh this could be silent <laughs> but no it, it even the lettering has that like dark fantasy kind of feel to it and definitely leads helps with the theme and with the the feel of the story so it's definitely you know a boon to to the story itself it doesn't take away from the art it helps amplify everything um yeah it there's some creative placement of uh of bubbles because I, the the art probably didn't allow to be where where they were you know like, like everything had to have its right place and so bennett did a good job finding the right place for these dialogue for the dialogue that's that's also true i didn't think about that yeah you had to put things very carefully good point well um do you have anything any last thoughts on on this no i don't think so i just you know i think it's well worth reading i think cloud which is their previous book is well worth reading um yeah it's a it's a good book i like when kids are put in mortal danger and have to go on a journey i guess like paper girls like paper girls so but no, I, I totally agree. It's um, it it definitely works. It's a good it's good motivation for a story, and it it just also helps that this is a, a beautiful story to read. We are now going to the last segment of the show, where we will talk about the comics that we're looking forward to in the near future. Darcy, uh, you want to go first? Mine's a little bit further than the near future, <laughs> but um. I'm excited, so I'm doing it anyway. Uh, Viz did their uh, announcement thing last week. Um, they were like, oh, we're gonna announce things. And I was like, holy crap. And then I was hoping it would be a Shoujo Beat thing because Shoujo Beat did the whole thing, whatever, I can rant about that later. But uh, what they did announce was uh, Rumiko Takahashi is coming back with a, uh, return to the warring states period uh with a comic called uh mao um it releases in the fall of this year uh it's 
I don't know, it's probably incredibly derivative of Inuyasha, uh, <laughs> but you know, whatever. I don't give a crap. Uh, Inuyasha totally saved my life when I was a teenager. Oh. Uh, he looks just like um, some weird combination of Inuyasha and Moroku, but I don't care. He like slays demons. He's an exorcist. It's in the Taisho era. I'm totally friggin' here for it. So volume one comes out fall 2001. I've not touched it. I've not looked into it at all. I know nothing about it beyond that very basic thing, but I am incredibly stoked because i've been watching uh uh, i've been watching yashahime and like it's so incredibly obvious that takahashi's not involved in that and i want to love it so much but it is just not as good as it should be and i feel bad moraha's great but mm, whatever i can rant some other places (laughs) (laughs) no worries this is a good place to rant anyway so um but no (laughs) I, I I love Inuyasha, so I'm all for anything that is derivative of Inuyasha. So definitely want to check this out. Um, it it looks that the cover looks great. Oh yeah, it totally it really does. I like it a lot. Actually, it's pretty cool. Um, Inuyasha on a personal level um, was one of the first things that me and and carrie former guest of the show and and my wife <laughs> uh, bonded on uh when we first met each other was our love of that show so she she was a big lord to show oh that's so sweet yeah so oh uh, that's less sweet yeah i know <laughs> One of the, but you know i mean he kind of an anti-hero all-around bad dude at the same time so i don't know but but yeah no we totally bonded on 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 Inuyasha, so um but yeah i um no that that sounds like a great thing to look forward to i i definitely want to read that as well because that sounds right up my alley i have a book coming out actually it's it's coming out tomorrow when we're recording so it's coming it'll be out it'll be out once once this comes out it's called um two moons by John Acruti, Valerio Giordano, and Dave Stewart. Um, and it's published by Image Comics. Um, this will be a new ongoing horror series. Uh, I know Acruti's from Rumble, which was a fun series a couple years ago, or maybe last year. Um, it's um, this one, this horror series is going to take place during the Civil War, which uh, makes it sound interesting. It's a nice period piece. Uh, and here's the synopsis that has been given. Um, the issue starts the long journey of a young Pawnee man named Virgil Morris, aka Two Moons. He's fighting for the Union during the Civil War uh, when he is suddenly cr- confronted with his shaman shamanic roots. He discovers horrors far worse than combat as the ghosts of his past reveal the monsters evil around him. So, a spiritual uh, indigenous story about Civil War. I'm all game. I'm game for this. Yeah, it might be very interesting. Um, Civil War stories right now kind of freak me out. Yeah. Five thirty eight just did a did a thing that was like, oh yeah, people are totally interested in secession. And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> nope. No, please. <laughs> just leave if you don't like it. <laughs> um, this person's a. Uh, 
a person of color and is fighting for the union. So it hopefully won't be too too crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it might be a very interesting story. Let me know how it goes. We'll do, definitely. Well, I think that's the end. Um, we have reached the end of our show. Uh, first of all, they thank you to everyone who's uh, listening to our show, as always. Um, and if you have a question or comment, you can send us an email to better at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at cdbpod, which I'm saying that like I never said it before. cdbpod <laughs> is the name of our Twitter and Instagram. Um, check, check out our website at better.wordpress.com for all of our episodes and socials, as well as a form on our contact page to request a subject for us to do on a future show. Also, please give us a review, uh, preferably five stars on the platform where you're listening to us right now. Um, Darcy, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Um, I'm at uh, books underscore serial on Twitter, uh, books and serial at word, or not at uh, dot wordpress.com. Um, and I'm still listening to Tomorrow's Monsters with John Boyega and like some other dude that my mom knows about that I'm not sure about, but I totally recognize his voice, so I should probably remember his name. Still pretty good. Uh, still sci-fi. Still about like medical technology and like experimentation and still interesting. Still recommend it. Um, so I might write about that at some point. No, totally. Um, I, I know Phil Colson had like a cameo last, not last. Yes, he did. Yeah. So that was cool. Hearing, first, the first episode. Yeah. He's in yeah. the first episode. That was, that was pretty cool. Definitely. But yeah, no, I know what you mean that the, the voice of, of Max, the, the, the secondary character is somebody. The bad know, guy. Yeah. I know who that is. Like, I, can't, I, I don't know who it is at the same time. Um, all right. Well, you can find me on Instagram at ZeldaFan252. No, no, it's actually at uh, Brygen underscore CB on Instagram, at Twitter at Brygen2814. So for Darcy, I'm Brian, and this has been the Comics Deserve Better podcast. Remember, comics deserve better, and everybody deserves comics. Good night. Night. Bye-bye.